0: Let's pray. Father, we've sang these songs that just bring us into your presence, bring us into this time of year. Father, help us to take those moments and those times to just think about what it means that you're the light of the world. Father, you came into this world incarnated through your son, Jesus, to give us incredible hope and a future. Father, in all the hustle and bustle, may we pull away for moments just to ponder, because we have to ponder, incredible incarnation of your Son. Amen. I hope you think about that question, how has the light of Jesus impacted your life this Advent season? Again, the things that really are meaningful in our lives aren't things that we can just look at quickly. We can evaluate quickly. They take time for us to take a step back and and, and think about them and ponder the reality of what uh, Christ has done for us. And so be him being the light of the world is a central theme that we find in the sacred word. And so this Advent season, may we just again keep dwelling on the incredible gift of our son, Jesus Christ, God's son. This morning I wanna unpack just for a time we have is the light of Jesus brings security. Now that's a difficult one. We gotta be very careful when we unpack that one. Jesus came with a purpose in mind FOR US, AND THAT PURPOSE IN MIND ALSO HELPS US UNDERSTAND WHAT SECURITY REALLY MEANS IN THIS WORLD. Now, i mean, I TELL A STORY ABOUT A PERSON WHO WAS MARTYRED, NOT JUST BECAUSE IT'S ADVENT SEASON, AND THAT'S KIND OF counter, co- COUNTER TO THAT, BUT THERE'S A WONDERFUL STORY IN THE SECOND CENTURY OF A MAN BY THE NAME OF POLYCARP, WHO WAS THE LAST ONE WHO HAD KNOWLEDGE OF THE APOSTLE JOHN. HE WAS A DISCIPLE OF THE APOSTLE JOHN. And so he was the one that really substantiated to the church the, the words of John as being truthful that, that was unfolded in many of his writings. He was eighty-six years old, eighty-six years old. <clears throat> At that time the Roman government was was spotty in its persecution, but it happened to be in his region that they were looking for this great bishop of that great church in that great city. So they decided to to go to him and p- plead with him to leave and run away and he did for a time he went away in hiding well they tortured a couple of his disciples and they gave told where he was and gave it away and they came to him as he was in bed and they woke him up and and they said uh, we're going to take you we're going to take you but we would please right now would plead with you would you just simply renounce christ and just be willing to put some incense on the altar to say caesar's lord caesar is lord and we're going to spare your life he said, would you give me an hour to pray? And he spent an hour fervently in, pray, in prayer, and they were really quite impressed. But nonetheless, they brought him to the government officials, and the government, the proconsul, pleaded with him, just simply, would you just simply take a little pinch on the altar to the emperor, just to say Caesar is Lord and announce that Christ is Lord. And he made one of the most remarkable statements, I think, in the history of, of the church. Eighty-six years I have served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? I'm 86 years old. I have served him and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? At that point, they brought him to the stake and they kind of tied him to the stake and they're ready to put the, the nails in. He said, you don't need to do that. Tradition says some of them, might, they might have stabbed him first and then they burnt him at the stake. But here was a man of, of just incredible character and he asked the question what security did he have what security did he have here he is burnt at a stake as a follower of jesus well there's three things that i think are important of his example one is he he proclaims jesus as lord there is nothing that frees us more as a people of faith than to acknowledge jesus as the lord there is nothing more practical in our lives to make decisions in our lives it becomes so much easier when we simply say that jesus is going to be the lord of our lives HE SAID, FOR 86 YEARS, HE'S DONE ME NO WRONG. CAN YOU IMAGINE, CAN YOU SAY THAT? FOR THE YEARS OF YOUR LIFE, HE'S DONE ME NO WRONG. AS I THOUGHT ABOUT THAT FOR SOME TIME, I THINK I CAN SAY THAT. FOR MY LIFETIME, JESUS HAS DONE ME NO WRONG. ANOTHER THING THAT'S SO IMPORTANT, is HE HAD TO HAVE A CLEAR SENSE OF THE REALITY OF AN ETERNAL HOME. YOU DON'T BE BURNED AT THE STAKE UNLESS YOU REALIZE THAT THIS ISN'T ALL THERE IS IN THIS LIFE, BUT THERE'S A LIFE TO COME. AND HE UNDERSTOOD THAT IN A PROFOUND WAY. I WISH I COULD SAY THAT FOLLOWING JESUS IN THIS LIFE WOULD PROTECT US FROM ALL HARM. I WISH I COULD SAY THAT. AND HARM IS USUALLY divine, DEFINED FROM OUR POINT OF VIEW, BUT I CAN'T SAY THAT. I WISH I COULD CLAIM THE PROMISES OF ISRAEL THAT WERE GIVEN IN THE COVENANT GIVEN TO ISRAEL, THE MOSAIC AGREEMENT IN THIS RELATIONSHIP THAT GOD HAD SPECIALLY, AND IT WAS UNIQUE RELATIONSHIP WITH HIS PEOPLE. I WISH I COULD SAY IF YOU FAITHFULLY FOLLOW JESUS, YOU'LL HAVE STEADY RAIN AND YOU'LL ALL BE FED AND WE'LL ALL BE PROSPEROUS. I wish I could say that no enemies would prevail against us. I wish I could say that our shoes would never wear out. I wish I could say that I will not, as God said, bring upon them their diseases if they would only simply follow him. That's just to name a few, which I cannot say because those, those promises were unique promises given to Israel and a unique relationship that they shared with him to proclaim his greatness through his dealings with them. And that's seen in the book of Romans that Paul articulates. I cannot say that we won't experience disease because in our congregation here, we have people who are experiencing disease. I cannot say that it won't be disaster and calamity because there are people in our congregation who experience that. I wish I could say that God would intervene all the time, but He doesn't, and I can't tell you when God intervenes. I don't know the ways of God well enough, but He does intervene at times in our lives. I'm glad in the Old Testament that we can counterbalance to this, this kind of prosperity theme in the Old Testament that we have the books of Job and the books of Habakkuk, where Job is the, probably the most extreme, extreme example that we'll ever find in the sacred word, who everything was taken away from him. Can you imagine the dearness of his family? All his possessions were taken away. And it said, the Lord gives, he said, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, and he worshiped God. He worshiped God. We have the Habakkuk where he's wrestling, and we'll be looking at this book this next year. He looks, he's wrestling with the issue of justice and God's justice. How can you bring this pagan nation against us, your chosen people? And of course, they were quite wayward. And at the end of the book, he says, since, he says, if there is no fruit in the vine and all things are destroyed, yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. What security do they have in this world? Jesus' words, you might be hated on account of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Or Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble and tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. In me you will have peace. We have the experiences of the apostles. As they faithfully followed Christ, what security did they have? As we see in the book of 2 Corinthians as the apostle Paul pours out his experiences of hardship and difficulty. I don't want to minimize a bit the hardships of this fallen world. And so often we cry out and we say, God, where are you? What are you doing? And and then we we, we say, God, what have you done for me lately? In the midst of that, we, we raise our cries up to God, what are you doing in my life? Where does my security lie anyhow in following Jesus? And I want to say to you this morning, what I want to give to you is tremendous hope. I want to give you a powerful reality to encourage you in the midst of an uncertain world. And we live in the midst of an uncertain world. And you have to realize that many people that exist in our world, if they don't have, are anchored in, are are zeroed in on a relationship with Christ. The world is all they have. That's where they have to put their hopes. And for them, where does their security lie? But for us, as the people of faith, we worship the One who has given us light and the one who brings us a measure of security that I want us to understand this morning. So I want you to listen to seven passages, just short passages, and I want you to listen carefully what these passages of Scripture are saying to us. And we want to land there for a bit. A very familiar one to us first is John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. And don't forget that, He loves the world. That's gonna be a theme beginning the year, uh, next year. God loves the world that He gave His one and only Son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. I want us to understand what eternal life means this morning because that in lies our hope. There's another passage in John 10 that was read and, and the section was read. For the sheep hear my voice, they know I know them and they follow me. I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my Father's hand. I want you to land with that one. Nobody. Give them eternal life. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hands." Thessalonians is a very important passage. But God is faithful. He will strengthen you and He will protect you from the evil one. You record from a message I gave not too long ago that there's a battle that exists in this world. We have confidence in the Lord that you're doing and will continue to do things we, we command, that you'll continue to do them. That's an important passage. THIS ONE IS SO CRITICALLY IMPORTANT. AND WE KNOW THAT ALL THINGS GOD WORKS FOR THE GOOD TO THOSE WHO LOVE HIM, THOSE WHO HAVE BEEN CALLED ACCORDING TO HIS PURPOSES. WE NEED TO UNDERSTAND THAT ONE. THAT'S SO IMPORTANT FOR US. HERE'S A PASSAGE THAT'S SO IMPORTANT THAT I read, EVERY FUNERAL I DO THIS PASSAGE, I READ THIS AT THE END. KNOWING ALL THINGS ARE MORE THAN CONQUERORS THROUGH HIM WHO LOVES US. FOR I AM CONVINCED THAT NEITHER DEATH, NOR LIFE, NOR ANGELS, NOR DEMONS, nor THINGS PRESENT, NOR THE FUTURE, NOR ANY POWERS, Neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a powerful affirmation that we'll look at in a moment. Hebrews is a very important passage for us. Our parents discipline us for a little while as they think thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Okay, the discipline of God. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. We talk about security. Let's talk about this one in a moment. And then the last one. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. So we say that in confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can human beings do to me? Those are powerful passages and there's just illustrative of many other in the Scriptures that really helps us understand our security that we have in Christ. What I want you to understand that the security we have in Jesus is bound up in the phrase that we can experience eternal life. Eternal life, you have to understand, is the quality of life that we live on earth. We live as the followers of Jesus with what's called an eternal perspective. Eternal perspective. We look at life, the quality of life we live now is from an eternal perspective. And then we have the quality and quantity of life that we'll experience in the life to come. And I want to unpack what eternal life is because eternal life is where we put our security. We can't put our security in what's, in what's going on around us at all. We put our security in the fact that we can experience eternal life now and for all time. I want to give you four strong affirmations this morning that you can hang on your life as we venture out into this world. First, the security of Jesus provides a ten- what I call a tenacious relationship. Tenacious, I've chosen that word because God's relationship with you is persistent. He firmly grabs a hold of you. He wants us to cling to it. And He wants that relationship to be an unyielding relationship. And that's from God's point of view to us. That describes God's relationship with his own. Those that genuinely know Christ and are in a trusting, obedient relationship, he is tenacious with us. He provides the security of his ever-presence in our lives. Again, at every funeral in Romans 8, I want people to understand when you grab a hold of Christ, nothing externally in life can separate you from the love of Christ. He gives this section in chapter 8 as he winds up this section on Christian growth. He says, I don't care what the difficulties are. I don't care what the external forces are at work to destroy us. And of course, the final enemy, the final frontier, which is death. All the external forces that may be. If you are a follower of Jesus, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ as we think about this security we have nothing can separate you folks this morning you're in a if you're ever relationship with christ can separate you from the presence of christ nothing can separate you from his love there's a point of security i want you to understand also that jesus and this idea of a tenacious relationship he is always working for our good we need to understand that carefully this is what i think it means One thing we can do as, even as a people of faith, we can work against God. When we're working against God in our lives, you know, can we really claim the promises of God when we're working against God? Now, I I believe that nothing can separate us from His love, but the point is this. Romans 8 focuses on Christian growth. And what he's saying, what he's saying to us, um, when we turn to Him, maybe in our lives we've gone off a direction and we need to turn back to Him, but we have the confidence whenever we turn to Him, he is ready to pick up the ongoing relationship again and go forward. Let me say it again. In our lives, he's always working for our good. And when we choose to say, okay, God, I want to get in rhythm with you, he will pick it up, the ongoing relationship, and you have the confidence that he's going to pick you up there and he's going to want to always move you forward. He always has our well-being in mind, in mind to move us forward to what's best for us. And he's the definer of what's best for us. Folks, when we have moments of not doing well spiritually, which we all experience, I experience it. I have wonderful, isn't it great to have the the confidence, the security to know that when I turn to him, he's always going to want to move me and work with me and continue tenaciously to work with me for his good and my good. That's security we have in him. I think it's also important to know this tenacious God disciplines us for our good. THAT PASSAGE THAT WAS read, READ. YOU SEE, GOD HAS IN MIND SOMETHING THAT WE DON'T ALWAYS KEEP IN MIND. HE WANTS US TO BECOME LIKE JESUS. WE HAVE OTHER GOALS IN MIND IN OUR LIVES. WE WANT, we want SECURITY OF THINGS GOING WELL FOR US AND WE HAVE THE way, WHAT WE DEFINE, what's, WHAT'S BEST FOR US. BUT FOLKS, WHEN WE SIGN ON WITH JESUS, WE SIGN ON TO A NEW UNDERSTANDING. IT'S HIS WILL. IT'S HIS HOLINESS. IT'S BECOMING LIKE HIM. HE SHAPES OUR LIVES. And we can have confidence, we can have security in the fact that God, as a a Father who is so loving, disciplines us, takes us sometimes down roads. We might not want to go, but He might work to take us down roads that will produce in us the unique road for you that will produce in you what He's looking for. Hebrews class, somebody asked me, when do we know that God has disciplined us? (laughs) When? We don't know for sure. let me tell you, it doesn't matter. What you need to do is take every opportunity in your life, be tuned into God, that every opportunity in your life, you're keyed in to say, God, what are you teaching me? Today, what are you teaching me? Where do you want me to go with you today? Because he is refining you. He ultimately wants to shape you into the person of Jesus Christ. Secondly, how is he tenacious for us? This is another real important one. He protects us from the evil one. Second Thessalonians, God is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one if you continue to live by my commands. Again, do you expect to be free from the pressures of the evil one? He can't possess you. But he can influence you. You think you're free from that pressure if you're not walking with him? I don't think so john the great apostle states you are from god and you have overcome you become because greater is he the holy spirit i would say who is in you than he satan who is in the world as we walk with jesus what security do you have you have the confidence that god is at work in our lives protecting us protecting us from the evil one to turn us away from jesus and when he turns away from jesus the, the effects of our lives are devastating You need to claim the promises of God. I I claim the blood of Christ often in my life to protect me. I claim the blood of Jesus Christ to protect this church. And we can have the confidence, there's a security that that God is at work to strengthen and protect you from the one who wants to undo you because of the work of the Spirit of God and His power in your life. Boy, I think that's security for us. I think He also provides security in Jesus with freedom from fear, So many people are gripped from all kinds of fear. He says to us, you need to be free from the love of money and be content. I think that's great, and that's not only here, many places, free from the love of money. We live in a world where the economy is built on the foundation that only encourages us to have what we want, but also to want what we do not have. This drives discontent. I don't have a complaint in the world. If I complain in one second, I am so out of line because God has been unbelievable in my life. Unbelievable in my life. Has he not been unbelievable in your life? Has he provided for you in riches and ways that you can't even imagine? I, he says, free from the love of money so you can live a life of contentment. And we do that because we trust, as in the Lord's Prayer, we trust that he will provide for you. We trust his forgiveness. We trust him to overcome evil. And we turn to him, His desire is to provide for our needs. What do we fear? I will not desert you. I will always be with you. He will always be with us in what we face. What are we afraid of? God seeks to provide for His own. Someone might hate you. All they can do is kill you. And I say that not tritely in one minute. But that's where we find freedom free from the fear of what people will do to us because we've settled the issue. I will follow Jesus. And I will follow him by resurrection power. But the most important one, I think, I think, is he provides an eternal home. Do you realize over 276 times in the Bible heaven is mentioned? 276 times heaven is mentioned. My sheep hear my voice and I follow them and they follow me. I GIVE THEM ETERNAL LIFE, AND NO ONE CAN SNATCH THEM OUT OF MY FATHER'S HANDS." DID YOU HEAR THAT? I GIVE TO THEM ETERNAL LIFE. HENRY Nowen IN THE INNER VOICE OF LOVE, AN ARTICLE HE SAYS, AND LISTEN CAREFULLY, HE'S ALWAYS DEEP, BRING YOUR BODY HOME IN JESUS GOD TOOK ON HUMAN FLESH. THE SPIRIT OF GOD OVERWHELMED MARY, AND IN HER ALL ENMITY BETWEEN SPIRIT AND THE BODY WAS OVERCOME. THUS GOD'S SPIRIT WAS UNITED WITH THE HUMAN SPIRIT, And the human body became the temple destined to be lifted into the intimacy intimacy of God through the resurrection. Every human body has been given a new hope of belonging eternally to the God who created it. Thanks to the incarnation, you can bring your body home, your body home. The apostles lived in the reality of the return of Jesus. There isn't anything, if you read carefully, that the apostles desired more than to be home with Jesus, to be united with him. It was what's called the great hope. Every day of the apostles' lives, they longed to be in the presence of their Savior. Robbie Zacharias, in his book, Jesus Among Secular Gods, articulates the difference between Christianity in contrast to an atheistic worldview. The fastest-growing religion in America is no religion. But I call it a religion. It is a religion because in a sense, it tries to articulate a worldview to navigate how you navigate in this world. And therefore, I call it somewhat like a religion. But you gotta understand, folks, that there are com- very competing worldviews in this world that see everything differently. He says in this section of Christianity and atheism, he says, there's, there's, you see things so differently in reality and accountability and charity and eternity. And he says to us, I always maintain that time is the canvas on which we portray our individual lives. Eternity is the keyhole through which we see the whole gallery of life. The focus of our lives is to be reunited with Jesus, the great hope when he returns. Every day, every day of our lives, we ought to be making decisions that are focused from an eternal perspective. The hope that steers our values, that moves us to recognize this as world is not all there is, To moves us to live our lives always with this eternal perspective and that makes practical decisions. I'll make make the tough decisions that I have to make of moral choices and things I have to make regardless of what people think because I know this isn't all there is. Eternity makes all the difference in our lives. I have three images of stories from books that I want to kind of close with here that have profoundly affected me of views of heaven, many of them from my childhood. Three books that were very significant, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, C.S. Lewis, of course, in my life, The Return of the King in Tolkien and Pilgrim's Progress. There's three images of heaven that I find so powerful. You know, in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, C.S. Lewis describes there this little character called Reepicheep. Reepicheep is the boldest of all, this little mouse, a little bigger than normal mice, but he, he is the bravest of all. Reep will do anything. He'll give his life for Aslan the king. Here's this little guy stabbing people in battle, and he's given his life. At the end of the voyage of the Dawn Treader, they are sailing to the end of the earth, as they call the end of the earth. And at the end of the earth, the option is given to some who want to go over to Aslan's land. And this little mouse, who had faithfully followed his Aslan the lion, said, I want to go. They put him in a little tiny boat, and he has to go up over the waves and then into Aslan's country. And all you see is this enormous smile on his face as he grabs a hold of the side of this little boat as he goes over the waves into Aslan's land with such anticipation and such joy. In The Return of the King, Frodo, as he has the main character, has this unbelievable journey of life to destroy this, this powerful ring of evil he goes back to his hometown. He just doesn't fit anymore where he grew up. And he realizes that maybe his life, as he knows it, is going to be over. And as a boat comes to the, as he goes down to this boat that sails through the the horizon to the light, he says to his friends who, I must go. And they're they're just sobbing in tears. But Frodo gets on that boat, and he sails right through to the light, indicative of God's kingdom. Pilgrim's Progress, I've talked often about that, but the celestial city at the end of his journey, and it was a a tough journey. You think of that book and all the things that he faced, and there at the end of the book is this unbelievable description and picture of a celestial city. And he has to cross this river, and there's many songs that have been written about crossing into heaven to cross the river. And his journey ends, he crosses the river, and up on the top of the river is this most unbelievable city. Unbelievable city, which is the celestial city where Christian has finally come home. Folks, we have the confidence of eternal life. Jesus is working with us on this life. He's working with everything we face. He's uh, he's tenacious. He wants to protect us. He works with us, and he wants us to understand, folks. We must understand every day that we have this unbelievable promise of an eternal home. And I want to say something to you, that is that those reality frees us, we're the freest of all people in the world, to follow Christ, to realize our destiny, to realize He's at work in our lives, frees us, frees us, until the day that our Savior calls us home. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we... Thank you. We thank you that ultimately our security is found in you. And Father, as we navigate through this life, through the perils of this life, through the, what we face in life, Father, you're tenacious. You're tenacious because of your love for us. But Father, I thank you for the promise of an eternal home. Father, may we live into that reality every day. May we be courageous to live into the reality of the fact that we're here as pilgrims, as pilgrims, traveling to a better land with you. Amen.